they call me Dr. Jones, known as the Night Tripper. Got my satchel of gree grease in my hand. Dig me tripping up and back down the bayou. I'm the last of the best, they call me the gree grease man. What's up, everybody? Got many clients come from miles around. How we doing? Running down my prescription. So, got medicine. we're gonna jump right into it. Cure all y'all's ears. Welcome to the Po' Boys Podcast. I'm your host, Jody B. And my wife and kid are slamming shit around all inside my house. So, uh, if you hear it, that's what's up. That's what's happening here now. So... Yeah. <laughs> My guest today was Jed Bryan, writer, director, producer, and a nice guy. It's not really surprising. I don't know very many directors, but he seemed like a cool dude. We talked for a while, and uh, we had a good time. I really took the effort this week to go through and kind of polish this. I started a new show I'll talk about in the, in the close, but uh, it's it's funny to me some of the things that you get used to doing and you forget that when you're doing a podcast you're trying to be entertaining and uh, I really tried to polish this episode so you guys I hope you enjoy it and as far as I can tell the uh, the pod bracket thing is over and uh, we're out of that so we'll talk about that too that's all the the up to date shit <laughs> so all right, guys, sit back, prepare yourself for Mr. Jed Bryan. If you work too hard and you need a little rest, try my Easy Life Rub or put some of my Bones Fix Jam in your breakfast. Try a little bit of... Head now. <laughs> I don't uh I normally would just use music in the front to uh to get the conversation going, but uh this is setting more of a mood. It's an ominous Sunday morning. There you go. We're gonna sit here and talk about some horror movie shenanigans. I'm ready. <laughs> well, if you're ready, I'm ready. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Mr. Jed Bryan, the is it director, producer? What is your, your title for this film, sir? Uh, writer, director, producer, actor. All of it. Yeah, yeah every, almost everything. Production <laughs> superstar extraordinaire, Mr. Jed Bryan, for the, <laughs> the film Unlisted Owner. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, Jed. I have a two-year-old and a wife that doesn't watch horror movies. So... I've watched about 15 minutes of your movie. I've also seen the trailer, 
And I'm going to be honest. It looks very nice for an independent film that, you know, wasn't put on by some kind of giant ass production company. It looks like a a well put together, a well polished product. And uh, I would like you to kind of elaborate, you know, tell me a little about yourself. Tell me about where you're from. I want to, I'm going to pick you apart this morning for a little bit. That works. Yeah. Um, I'm, my name is Jed Bryan, and I'm an independent filmmaker from southeastern Illinois. Um, the whole film was actually shot in my hometown of Sumner, Illinois. Uh, this is my debut uh, feature film. Um, it's uh, called Unlisted Owner. It's a feature-length found footage horror film that basically follows a group of friends who hear about a family of five that was murdered in a house about a mile away from where they're camping at. The house has a very dark history to it. And through a series of bad decisions and a little bit of drinking, uh, they decide to go back to the house and investigate with handheld cameras. Uh, and that would be one of the worst mistakes of their fun filled night. And uh, I'll just kind of leave it there. Yeah. No, spoiler <laughs> alert, it doesn't end well. <laughs> um, I think that we're in a, an age of film where horror genre there are there are plenty of people out there who enjoy horror and there are plenty of people who enjoy indie horror but since it's not mainstream you don't see a lot of of push for horror movies these days you know right i think that it maybe and get out since it's more of a suspense i think that there has been a little bit of a of a, a back build this year for people to understand that you know horror is just like any other genre we can make millions with this too and uh, I think it lends itself to people like you who are just doing it for the love of the game right now and trying to uh, express yourself. I hope that it increases the the ability for folks like you to get your shit out and get it to a bigger audience and a bigger market and be able to share it with people. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, because like I said, la- I mean, like you said, last year was a, a huge year for horror, and uh, you know, this year they got the new Halloween coming out, and there's other, there's several other, you know, films that are, you know, starting to come out, and I, I think really, you know, the streaming sites is, have really kind of helped, kind of push that too, because. You know, if you're going to have a girl over at your house, you know, you're going to put on a horror movie because you want her scared, you know, curled up beside you. So I think that kind of, you know, that kind of adds to it, too. (laughs) Let me ask you this, since since obviously you're a fan of the horror genre, your movie is is a found footage movie. Okay, I'm sure that you hear Blair Witch Project a lot or the whole idea of a found footage thing. It's not new. Right. Do you feel like you've received any kind of you know scrutiny over that? Well, uh, there there's still like a pretty large fan base for uh, found footage horror. There's actually a, a channel that actually unlisted owners on called POV Horror, and it's a uh, a streaming service that you pay a monthly subscription. You're you have access to all these different found footage horror films. And I still think you know I mean there are a lot a lot a lot of found footage films out there, mm-hmm. and uh, I did get some pushback uh, actually. Whenever uh, at Raptor we wrapped up the film, submitted to all these different horror film festivals and didn't get accepted into one, right. which was kind of which was a little demoralizing. And um, our film's a little different than a lot of found footage films. Uh, it's more of a drama horror, and um, we also uh, the film is edited as police evidence. So basically, you're following uh, 
the original family of five who were murdered in the house, and then it goes on to the group of friends who are investigating. So you have these evidence placards that kind of break stuff up because one of my biggest pet peeves with found footage films is where they're recording, and all of a sudden they do like a hard edit stop, and it's like, you know, a little bit in the future or way in the future. And you really kind of like, or when they jump back and forth between different people's cameras, like the new boy or which they like, you know, one person's filming and it jumps back and forth. And I'm just like, uh, yeah. whose point of view am I looking at? So and unless the owner, we put these police placards so you can tell, you know, who's who has the camera and uh, what time or uh, what day it is and, you know, stuff like that that kind of helps the viewer kind of more immerse themselves into the film. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there is pushback out there. Uh, before we got distribution for the film, we went to the American film market and I pitched the movie to several different distribution companies and they loved the idea until I said found footage and they were like, I don't know. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I feel that, you know, when people give Unlisted Owner a chance, they can really get into the film. And I've had a lot of people say, you know, it's like a reality show gone bad or it like reminds me of my group of friends and stupid stuff we would do. And, you know, we could actually end up in this situation. And uh, that's kind of what we were going for. And that's one of the things, too, with uh, Unlisted Owner, I mean, with a found footage film. And I really wanted to do an Unlisted Owner is to make this seem as real as possible. Like this is a real group of friends. This is like, you know, they, they got two buddies that are you know kind of douches to uh jed and griffin because they got girlfriends and back in the day they all four of them used to party and just tear up the town but now since jed and griffin have these two anchors of girls they just kind of drag down the night and tyler and gavin are trying to do anything they can to kind of pry that relationship away from those two girls so they can go back to the the way things were and it was kind of like a coming of age film of, you know, two friends are kind of going, you know, starting to settle down a little bit and the other two are still in party mode and they try to up the ante and go to the next level. And, you know, the house is kind of like the breaking point of, you know, their friendship in a way, literally. But. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a lot going on behind the scene. It's not simply a drama or a horror movie slash right. film. It's it's very complex. And that's why right. I think it's uh, it's important to trying to shed a light on people like you and, and other directors that are just trying to do it because you love it and you want to uh, to kind of make your own art, and I appreciate that. Back to the, the, the POV horror thing, that seems like it could be such a bigger genre than it is. I, I thought when the VR goggles came a couple years ago that that was mm. going to be a, like a next big step for, for video just all around. Like they had the Hardcore Henry movie, they had uh, a couple other things that came out that made me go, oh, I bet that would be really cool in like VR, you know, just oh, yeah. to do like a POV style movie. <clears throat> and I wonder how much longer it's going to be before that happens. Well, I, I think it's really going to be coming up soon. Um, whenever, every year, uh, I don't know if you heard a uh, Trans World Haunt show, but in uh, St. Louis, Missouri, uh, every year it's a big like haunted house convention where they have uh, props and uh, <clears throat> I mean you can buy you know fake blood fog I mean it's crazy well one of the things they had last year were VR goggles and basically you go through a haunted house and you have noise canceling headphones on and you know you're like and you're you're pushing <laughs> this button and you're just kind of like coasting through this house and you hear like a like something hit over on your right and you look to your right and then you look back to your left and you're like oh my god something's right in my face you know and just kind of you know you kind of lose yourself in it and i mean i can really see the 
the film industry switching over to that eventually. It's going to be a little difficult to be able to, you know, I mean, that hardcore Henry was kind of unique in a way. But at the same time, you're going to have to be able to make it to where people can look around. And it's going to be kind of hard to be able to do that the whole entire time. So but I think they'll get there for sure. I enjoy it. I had a buddy that uh, did B-roll actor film stuff uh, yeah. in his local town. It ended up being a sham, just a whole bunch of bullshit. But he did show <laughs> up on scene a few days and got to see kind of how stuff gets organized and put up. It was a zombie film. And I said, dude, you know. Wouldn't it be crazy to have like an apocalypse style, you know, the, not the, the slow zombies. I'm talking, uh, 28 days later, running, screaming, spitting zombies and say you're like a a military person POV style and you're just in the shit for an hour just running around. There's shit flying and bombs going off. And I said, dude, that'd be pretty nuts to see in a VR situation. Yeah. It have all of your senses peaking. You'd probably shit your pants, man. It'd be crazy. <laughs> it would be. I, I think. Yeah, like you said. You know, especially that scenario. That'd be pretty. Be pretty creepy. You know, you'd be walking. You know, in the middle of the night, and you know, with your unit or whatever, and you hear something, and it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Some dude comes running up to you with one arm, blood squirting, going, "Oh God!" And you go, "What the fuck?" And then you look, and it's just a horde, a horde of zombies running at you and it's pov yeah. style so you, you start shooting and then you see your buddy start getting mobbed on and eight you ah oh, fuck and you run it's <laughs> it scene set yeah made it put it in the can with the house and the, the whole storyline is there any um basis in reality for that like what what inspired you did you have some kind of a weird murder thing that happened or is that something that was just in your head when you saw the house and you go oh, this looks like people got murdered here well um for a long time, um, I've always wanted, I've always loved horror. Um, and after I graduated college, or actually when I was in college, I kept coming up with like different movie ideas and stuff. And uh, me and uh, actually Gavin, who's in the film, uh, we wrote a script together. And I had written a script by myself called Meth House. And we had filmed a teaser trailer for it. And uh, we filmed a couple other little things. Like we did like a GoDaddy commercial contest and got like 9th out of 539 videos, which is, I was pretty pumped about that. Yeah. But um, so. I, we kept talking about making a movie, but we weren't quite getting to that point, and funding was a little bit of an issue, and all the scripts I had written in the past were all uh, traditionally shot, so I was like, you know what, I need to try to make a script, or write a script that we could actually make into a film, so I started thinking found footage. And there's a scene in the film that involves uh, Tyler uh, in the attic space. And I was like, I don't think he probably got that far in the film, but I was like, man, that'd be such a cool scene to see in a movie. So then I'm like, okay, so how do I get here? And what happens after? So I kind of started trying to piece stuff together and came up with an outline. And then uh, myself and Tyler, Tyler wrote a little bit of it, but the majority of it was me. And we just kind of, kind of came up with the, filler in between and uh came up with unless stoner that way okay see i it was such a unique story with people getting murdered that close together i thought like what it'd be crazy if there was like some story here because we hear about that kind of shit now all the time oh yeah people getting murdered in their own house and then five years later another couple was murdered in the same house almost exactly to the day you know it seems like it could build just like anything you'd read out of the paper 
Yeah, the uh, the house is actually in the the town where I live, Sumner. And when I was a little kid, you know, I always thought it was such a unique house. Really, kind of, you know, had a really creepy vibe to it. And uh, when I was a kid, my dad actually took me over there. I can't remember why we went. Someone was living there that he knew or something. <clears throat> and uh, I remember the staircase in the house. I'm like, that is such a cool staircase. So whenever I wrote unlisted owner, I kind of was hoping I could get access to that house. And luckily we were able to, and it worked out great. Cause I mean, that house is like a three story house with a full basement, the same size as the entire house. I mean, it's a perfect house for a horror film. Yeah. yeah. So you lucked out basically. Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> so you said you were working on a film called meth house. What yeah. was, what was that like? You kind of <clears throat> peaked me there. Cause that's something that I've always thought if you really wanted to build drama and you wanted to build suspense and just junkies, man, Requiem for a dream is a movie that I saw a long time ago and it really affected me just because from what I've seen and heard and with my own two eyes, I know that there's a lot of situations in that movie that are legit. That is a dark fucking path if you stay on it long enough. So I'm curious, like, is that, you said it was something you worked on before. Is that something that you would ever go back to? Did you kind of wrap that one up or is that? No, actually, uh, we just did a little teaser trailer for it. And, um, because I, I mean, I'd love to make the film. Uh, we just don't have the funding for it. And um, the premise is um, there's I don't know in your area if they uh, if they're, if farming's pretty prevalent, but uh, around here they use anhydrous ammonia in their fertilizer, and anhydrous ammonia is like uh, is a chemical. And around here, it's actually used in the manufacturing of methamphetamine. Yes. So, and I mean, all the time. I mean, I've heard of people, you know, st- uh, hitting, like, stealing anhydrous from these tanks, and the police will, you know, there'll be footprints in the snow or whatever, and then they'll find a foot where the anhydrous, you know, took off the person's foot, or, uh, you know, uh, I remember one story I heard was uh, a guy actually drilled into one of the high-pressure tanks, and it, it castrated him because of this chemical, and, you know, so there's all kinds of horror stories with that. But uh, I basically wrote the script setting up because it's a farm chemical of and you, you always hear about farmers being worried that, you know, if they be around when this would happen and have to, you know, deal with it. So I basically have a war between this faction of meth heads and the farmers and all these farmers are getting murdered and killed and the police department's involved, too. And some of the police officers have been killed. And this group of friends happens to stumble upon their uh, lair, and they basically have made this ma- – they, they've been manufacturing this exper- experimental type of meth that turns them into these, like, horrible-looking, disfigured, like, creature-type people, but also gives them kind of like a superhuman-type strength, which, you know, a lot of those guys are kind of like that. So yeah. it kind of follows that path. But, yeah, I mean, I love to make meth house. I just – you know, it's got to get that funding. I like where your head's at, Jed Bryan. <laughs> that, that sounds yeah, like we, a, we we do have a te- we do have the trailer or like a little teaser trailer online, which it's not it's not the movie at all. It's just basically like a little bit of a se- it's supposed to be like the setup scene for the film when the credits are kind of rolling. It's it's kind of like that. It's almost like its own little off story of it. It's not something we exactly took from the script. I just kind of took something and wanted to kind of you know use a few of the characters and stuff like that. So. But it's on YouTube. It's refreshing to have new horror movies. I think a lot of the yes. mainstream shit that's happening now is just remakes. And yeah. 
it's yeah. hit or miss. I'm not going to sit here and, and get on a fucking soapbox and complain about <laughs> remakes because I have experienced a couple remakes that I think I either enjoyed for my own personal reasons or legitimately were better than the originals. And it's strange to me that they just keep stepping up to the plate and just whiffing on some of these fucking movies. It's, it's come on, guys, leave it alone. <laughs> just yeah, leave it, it alone. It, it's pretty sad. I mean, whenever you go to the, whenever you look up, you know, what movies are playing, it's either a Marvel movie or, you know, something, you know, if it's horror, it's usually a remake. And it's just, it, it's kind of sad in that aspect. I mean, I mean, Get Out was an original idea, which was, you know, awesome. And so were the, you know, Insidious films and stuff like that. But, you know, I mean, there's just, you know, like, like you said, it's just kind of regurgitating. I mean, well, heck, even some of the Marvel movies are remakes. I mean, look, Spider-Man. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> it's, it's like Hollywood's just too scared to go outside that box and you know it's it's really sad it's obnoxious it can you not try you're just gonna keep making fucking spider-man movies what about the last (laughs) spider-man what about the last batman what about the last incredible hulk like what yeah come on guys this shit is getting old i don't think i've been to a movie in almost a year and it's not because i don't enjoy movies it's because i haven't had anything that made me want to get up and go to the movies and spend 45 (laughs) dollars yeah because you will (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what hooked you as a, as a horror movie fan? Like, what was the first movie or film that you saw that you go, "Oh, I dig this! Like, this is gonna be something that I'm gonna pursue." Because I'm assuming you've you've been a fan for a long time if you actually put the effort into it that you have. Oh yeah, um, when I was a kid, uh, my mom. Well, I mean, I'd always like you know seen the classic monsters and stuff like that, like on TV and you know you know just pop culture stuff, but. Uh, the, I think the first horror movie I actually owned was uh, House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. I think it was the first VHS tape my mom had bought me. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I love Vincent Price anyways because he was in, you know, Scooby-Doo, you know, Vincent Van Gogh or whatever. <laughs> so, um, and then uh, I also had the King, uh, I had the monster movie King Kong versus Godzilla. And uh, uh, my parents used to take me and my brother to haunted houses when we were kids and we always decorate big for Halloween. So, and, and I always love masks and stuff. So I've always had like, kind of like this Halloween love. And, uh, but what actually kind of inspired me to try to like make a horror film was when I seen Eli Ross hostile film. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 yeah. The, I seen the first one and I was just like, Whoa. like blow, blown away because you know, it, it was like the first movie that kind of spoke to me and was like, Hey, you know, there is a market and, you know, there is, there are people out there that, you know, enjoy seeing like real life horror, like not, you know, no, not nothing supernatural with it. Something that's like, you know, you can go to Europe, make, you know, new friends, put your trust in these people and end up waking up with a, you know, with a hood over your head, chained behind a chair and a guy in a, you know, a swimmer's cap and, you know, an apron and rubber gloves with all these instruments that he's going to torture you with. So, I mean, it kind of really opened my eyes and got me thinking about real life horror. And, you know, I just, you know, it, it was just, it was such an amazing movie and a monumental movie for that time. I think that people are the scariest villains. It's because yeah. we have no limits. We could do anything. And I, that's yeah. what adds to those hostile. Those hostile movies were fucked up, man. <laughs> yes, yes. Because in, I, in your mind, you know that somewhere in the world, right now, there's a person who has enough money 
to do this. To do whatever <laughs> they want, and there's nothing you can do about it. You're just you're a victim of circumstance. Yeah, and actually, the uh, the original family of five in my movie are the Roth family, named after named in honor of Eli Roth. So one of the most intense, like gore scenes, I think. You ever see one that just makes you go, ooh, shit? Yeah. <laughs> in the, the first Hostel movie, I believe it was the first, uh, when the dude uh, was in the chair, and he thought he was free, and he got up, and the dude had, like, cut his Achilles tendon. Yeah, and it actually, sh- yeah, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what I Get saw, your center thinking, like, why is he fine. screaming? He's unchaining him. Yeah, there's it's all good right what what's up and then he stood up and that shit opened up and you go oh my god (laughs) there were a couple in both of those movies that that make you jump back i mean obviously they get worse but uh that one in particular when i saw it it just made my goddamn skin crawl i go oh that would suck real bad yeah. Good yeah, job, well, Eli Roth. <laughs> you you yes. nailed that one. <laughs> Bravo. So you're a big fan of Eli Roth. Have you seen uh, a lot of his other stuff? Yeah, I've seen, uh, well, of course, after Hostel, I, I looked back and watched Cabin Fever, which I think is another great film, which they actually remade. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I still love the original. I'm pretty sure Eli Roth had something to do with that one, too. Uh, Clown, uh, Green Inferno. Oh. Uh, and, and then he does, you know, that Crypt TV thing. So, and in Glorious Bastards, he was pretty funny. And <laughs> so, tell me about uh, it's the Green Inferno. Yeah, that's the cannibal movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's basically about like a, a bunch of uh, well, college kids who are like hardcore, you know, save the rainforest environmentalist people. Right. And they go and um, go to the rainforest, and they chain themselves to trees and stuff, and uh, have they're like live streaming them tearing down the rainforest, and they, you know, they stop them from tearing it down for that day, and then their plane crashes, and they end up in the middle of this Amazon tribe that doesn't have any contact with society whatsoever and uh yeah it's pretty it's a very interesting film for sure it kind of came and went moving forward do you think that horror is going to be your genre do you have any aspiration to to look into other films like do you enjoy filmmaking do you enjoy just horror film like what is where are you going next most of my scripts are horror. I have a couple of comedy ideas and I have like a, a suspense thriller, a few suspense thrillers I wouldn't mind doing. But I mean, in my head, you know, horror is kind of like comedy in a way. I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, usually the in-between parts of horror films are, you know, sometimes they try a little bit too hard, like you said earlier, make really, really cheesy jokes. But, you know, I mean, you, you try to make it a little funny, a little entertaining. But the way I see it is, you know, if you're hiding behind a door and someone opens it and you like jump out at them and they're startled, the next thing you do is laugh because you got them. And <laughs> that's just kind of how I see it is, you know, whenever you get somebody with a scare, you just kind of laugh. Or you hit them with the door when they jump out. Make a little, make a little more slapstick. Like the killer jumps go. out. Rah, and you smack them with a the fucking door on accident. And take off three running. stooges. I think comedy horror could definitely... I mean, Scary Movie was a big fucking market. And I know that one is a little more spoof-based. But still, 
there is definitely an element of comedy that goes with horror, especially just in when there's a really suspenseful scene. Usually they cut it with some kind of comedy. Right. It may be somebody's arm falling off and that everybody goes, oh, God, your arm fell off. You know, there's there's that yeah. moment or, you know, you're running from the killer and you finally think you're good. And you go, oh, I think we got away. And then dude's head yeah. falls off and it's like, oh, shit. Like there's I like that. I like the idea of comedy horror. Um, yeah. Have you seen Tucker and Dale versus Evil? I haven't. Um, I know oh. the guy, the the actor, the the main actor dude. I've seen him in some other stuff, so I think I would appreciate it. But I literally cannot get a fucking horror movie in here because nobody watches them but me. <laughs> well, it, it's like I said. It, it. I mean, it's not really, really like a scary, like you know, jump scare type film. But I mean, it's just hilarious because you know they go back and it. It, it just. It's. It's funny how just all these mishaps and coincidences, everything kind of like it fits perfectly. And it's just, it's a great, it's a great horror film. Probably one of my favorite comedy horrors for sure. So I highly recommend it. Evil Dead is a, is a comedy horror, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is. Yeah. Evil Dead 2. Okay. See, I've only seen bits and pieces of those. I, I get the Bruce Campbell character. Cause I've also, you know, later on with like Duke Nukem and sh- I, I go, well, where'd you get that from? And then they yeah. show, oh, well, that's a combination of this guy and this guy and this guy. Well, who the fuck yeah. is this guy? Oh, this is a dude <laughs> with a chainsaw for a fucking arm and a shotgun <laughs> and he doesn't fuck around. And it's like, okay. I saw him the other day. He's still holding it together, huh? Bruce Campbell. Oh, yeah. Moving, rolling like a fucking Mack truck. Shout out, Bruce. I really thought they were going to use him as Negan in The Walking Dead. That that would have been an interesting, you know, thing. It's, it, that'd be almost like uh, where they said, you know, Robin Williams almost played the Joker instead of, you know, Jack Nicholson. It'd be kind of like it'd be interesting to see. And it's like, man, why couldn't you do done like a B roll of that? Like, <laughs> just to see what it looked like. Yeah, yeah. Basically, cast them both, and then use whichever one you thought did better, and then you know everybody would be able to watch this extra footage. <laughs> I, I tell you what, with this whole Pet Cemetery remake talk, I was against it from the. I said. Fuck you. Don't talk to me about a Pet Cemetery remake. I don't even want to hear it. And somebody goes, oh, you know who they should get to play Judd, the old man? I go, who? Anthony Bourdain. I go, oh, I like that. What the <laughs> fuck, man? <laughs> I'm so against this. And then you give me something that I go, oh, I would like that. But it's probably not going to happen. Sad face. <laughs> it's like one of those things where you put a sign up and have a little table and say, uh, you know, I don't want a remake of Pet Cemetery. Change my mind. And someone says that, and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll leave. <laughs> Damn it. Well, it's, I think that, that Judd. Um, Monster. Right? Monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, God damn it. Uh, I, whatever. I'm moving, moving forward. Uh, is one of my favorite characters of that movie. He's, he's Herman Munster. Yeah. That, that is an iconic fucking voice it's an iconic look and just the idea of him sitting there you know that well sometimes those dead is better you know this i love it and there are so many like very suspenseful like you got to be paying attention but you watch that shit and it builds and as a person now like an, as an adult i can i can respect the shit out of that movie and just go okay that's you did good on this one and most people would disagree surprisingly i just i don't are we watching the same fucking movie like <laughs> yeah it's a little corny there's a dude with a bunt with you know with a gash in the side of his head that's talking to the dude through the whole thing but some of those suspense moments are when, good when gage creed gets hit by that fucking mac truck 
and the dad is running across the field. Maybe it's because I'm a dad now. I don't know. But, like, the moment that that dude hits his knees and they hit that little that little montage scene of that baby mm-hmm. growing up and he just starts going, no! Shows you the bone. Dude, <laughs> little bloody shoe. Just and then that's it. And then cut to a, a child's funeral. You couldn't do that now. No. You can't have a baby funeral in a movie. You would fucking get crucified. <laughs> and then they get into a fight and knock the fucking casket over. Like, you're pushing the boundaries. And that movie didn't even have every, all the crazy shit from the book in it. Who's your favorite horror movie character? Like, if you had to pinpoint one, like, it doesn't have to be, like, your standard slasher. <laughs> like, I want your best villain. If you were to look at it, is there one that really, in the back of your mind, you go, okay, that's the best one of all time. That's my favorite. My favorite would be probably The Phantom of the Opera, uh, Lon Chaney's Phantom of the Opera. Uh, the reason uh, is because you have this guy that wears, you know, it kind of has this mystery and all these bad things are happening at the, the opera house. And, you know, he kind of, you know, you know, kind of lures that girl and, you know, then the big reveal. And it's just like, you know, it's amazing. And I kind of put myself back in that time period to where, you know, people never really saw makeup like that. And the fact that he did it all himself and, you know, it's still one of the most iconic horror makeups ever. And just his acting in general, especially for, you know, in the silent film era. And to me, he was kind of like the, the, the perfect villain for that because you know you kind of feel sorry for him in a way because of his disfigurement and stuff and how you know he's just trying to you know kind of help this girl and stuff even though he's going about it yeah. in like the worst way you know <laughs> possible but it's just you know I, I just think he's kind of like you know the the perfect horror villain in my my eyes for sure phantom of the opera is not bad some of those older ones are tough you know like you said earlier frankenstein the creature from the black lagoon the the wolf man like there are some of those legendary people that you they're a moment in a time like it's they're always going to be that even if they did other stuff like that's what you're known for yeah so it's it's really cool to to still have that Um, it's been really cool like getting to know you um where where did you grow up like what have you been in Illinois the whole time? You don't sound like somebody from Illinois. Your your accent is kind of throwing me off, and it's it's confusing me a little. I got a little southern twang to it a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Uh, no, I've lived in Illinois my entire life, and it's kind of weird. Like uh, like people who – well, actually, the town I shot the movie is where I, I, mean, I grew up um, – but like I'd be on Xbox Live and people would be like, "Are you from? Are you from the South? Are you from like you know Tennessee, Kentucky?" And it's like, well, I'm like an hour and a half from Kentucky, but you know I'm wrong, wrong <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still Illinois, you know. But but yeah, it's weird. People say that all the time, so I kind of get that. Well, it's really it's something kind of funny, like especially with Unlisted Owner, some of the the reviews I've read and stuff. They're like, you know, they call Tyler and Gavin Southern jerks. It's like, man, they they're from, you know, where I'm from. So <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny to to kind of see that. So, do you have any uh, professional training? I didn't know if you mentioned that. Or did you go to college for film? Did you go to any kind of other <laughs> school, or is this just something that you've yourself taught and decided to take a jump? Well, uh, I originally majored at ITT Tech whenever it was still in existence. Uh, 
I went for a digital entertainment game design and in my associate's degree, I kind of found out about video editing and stuff and really piqued my interest. And I just like, you know, I could, you know, I got some of these movie ideas I always kind of came up with. I, you know, I never wrote them down, but I thought they'd be pretty sweet. So then I kind of started fitting everything together. So that kind of, I mean, that kind of gave me a little bit of a stepping stone to get into it. And then my bachelor's, I was just like, yeah, I probably shouldn't even go for this because I really want to just make movies instead of make video games. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, that's kind of like my background as far as that goes. I didn't go to film school or anything like that. I just, you know, thought up cool stuff in my head and was like, Hey, I'd like to kind of, you know, make it. And filmmaking's kind of neat in a way for me, especially because, like if you tell somebody a story, you know, they envision something completely different in their head than what you're saying. It doesn't matter how detailed you get. So I kind of like the aspect of storytelling of being like, look, you know, I could tell you this story, but I made a movie and I'm making you see what I'm wanting you to like what my vision is. And I just I just think that's kind of just like a cool aspect of storytelling. You have done something that not a lot of people get to do with much more training than you, Jed. And that's part of the reason why I want you to know, like, I don't do a lot of directors because usually um, they get, you run out of shit to talk about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you made a movie. Cool. Anything else? Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> and uh, I like to do long conversation. I like to know about right. you and, you know, you tell me what's going on. And I just, I saw something in this that goes, this motherfucker managed to throw together a, a full-length feature film it's on amazon prime guys like it's do you know how many people probably went to years of film school and still have barely got some shit on youtube that they're like well it's okay you made a movie dude yeah it, it's it's weird because you know i have i have friends out in la and stuff and they've been interns and you know they're still like in that you know, intern zone. They haven't even graduated up to even really, you know, doing anything on the production side, which, you know, was amazing to me because it's like I just went out and was like, talked to my buddies and like, hey, you know, we're going to do this and <laughs> and made a movie, you know, with with my friends, which is kind of crazy because a lot of people are like, you know, well, do they have any acting experience? It's like, well, not really. We just, I just knew they were going to be dedicated to it. And, you know, whenever I was writing the script, you kind of know like your friend's different mannerisms and what they say. And you just kind of put those into the character they're going to play. And it kind of makes it run a little smoother. Plus, you know, the fact I used everybody's original first name probably didn't, you know, hurt any as far as minimizing mistakes. But, you know, it's like, it's like, hey, Steve, <laughs> Greg, shut the fuck up. Like, oh, nice. I'm yeah, used to saying it like that. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, kind of makes it a lot easier, but yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're wanting to make a movie, number one thing you got to make sure that you have is dedicated people because the last thing you need is you're going to be make your shooting a film and like halfway through like one of your friends like yeah i got plans this weekend like well you know we already had a schedule and you said you were going to be here i'm just getting kind of bored with it i mean then what are you going to do you got to go back and reshoot everything so (laughs) it's it's not like it's a drummer in a band where he quits halfway through tour and you're like okay we can bring this other guy on and we can have a couple of days and he can learn some songs and fill in no one's going to know the difference but, you know, in a movie, you're just kind of like, oh, crap. <laughs> Have you had that happen yet, Jed? Uh, we actually, uh, when we, we were shooting the Meth House uh, t- teaser trailer, uh, one of my 
friends wasn't able to make it on one of the shoot nights. I think they were sick or something. Yeah. So I had one of my other friends fill in, but we ended up not even using it for the like the teaser trailer thing. So it, it worked out anyways. But yeah, it was just kind of like, like, uh, well, they don't look anything alike, but I know he can make it here. So, you know, we'll just figure out which one we want to use in the trailer. <laughs> Obviously, when you're doing indie film, there's not as much money in it. But I think it's a, it's an inspirational kind of thing. Just and you're you're living proof right here is if you're a filmmaker, if you have an idea, if there's something you want to try. It's not impossible, man. Just you yeah. got to get some friends that are going to be willing to, to work with you. I don't know if you're going to be able to pay them. I don't, you know, uh, you may just have to find some of your friends that like the shit as much as you do. And uh, you can make a movie. You can get out yeah. in your yard with a camera. You can get production equipment. You can get mics and booms. You can fucking get editing software. You don't have to be a millionaire to do yeah. what you want to do these days. And that's yeah. pretty damn cool. Yeah, people are filming stuff on iPhone, so I mean, it's not it's not that hard, you know. You just got to be able to have some friends or you know actors that are dedicated, and sometimes it just takes us saying, "Look, you know, if the movie makes X amount, we'll give you a percent." Or some people even just work for an IMDb credit. So if you have the idea and you have the drive and determination, I mean, just go for it. I mean, my movie, you know, I completed I completed the film in 13 and it finally got released in 17 because I had to go through all these hoops of trying to figure out how to get a distribution deal since we didn't get accepted in the film festivals. And it kind of sucks when that happens because you're sitting there thinking, you know, I, I think it was a good movie. You know, I mean, we did we did some focus group showings and we got good feedback, but we're not getting into we didn't even get into one festival. You know, what's the what's the deal? But, right. you know, we still had great success with it. I mean, the film at one point in time made it as high as ninth on Amazon's top 100 hot new horror release list. Awesome. You know, and I mean, we did a DVD in-store signing at Barnes & Noble in Evansville, Indiana, which was cool as crap. And we're actually getting ready to do another one just outside of India, like a suburb of India in Greenwood, Indiana, April 7th. It's it's kind of cool. It's like I'm kind of I'm, I'm living the dream film at one point in time wasn't getting any praise or anything like that. And now I'm doing, you know, I'm doing podcasts in Arkansas, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's cool, you know, to see it go from just an idea in your head to all of a sudden you're doing all these different, you know, press interviews and all autograph signings and TV interviews, radio interviews, magazine interviews and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a cool experience. It's been a cool journey for sure. Well, I think that, uh, it's pretty amazing what you've done thus far. And I'm curious to see, you know, don't let the fame go to your head, Jed. <laughs> oh no, 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 not at all. <laughs> you seem not like a all. very well-rounded dude. And I think that you're going to take it in stride. And I hope that your next movie gets made and then the next one. And then in 20 years, I'm going to be like, Hey, I talked to that guy one time. Who's that? Oh, you know, the motherfucker that just made that shit, that movie that, you know, made a million dollars over the, the summer. Like, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> a million dollars shit isn't even that much when you say it nowadays. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty sad. If yeah, you're not making five hundred million dollars, you ain't shit. <laughs> yeah, like I had some friends say, yeah, we made a like when I went out to the American film market in Los Angeles. That's where we ended up getting our distribution deal. I, I made some friends out there, and they're like, yeah, we spent you know I think like two hundred fifty k in our movie. It was kind of a low budget. I'm like two hundred fifty k. It's like I'm I've never even seen two hundred fifty k. Right. <laughs> and you're making a movie and stuff, and and you know whenever you make like a bigger budget movie like that i mean it takes a lot 
for you to get your money back, especially if you don't get like a theatrical run and stuff. And I mean, you think about it. I mean, if you're, you know, your film's available to rent online for a dollar ninety nine, it takes a lot of dollar ninety nines. Plus, it gets cut every which ways before you know you see, you know, be able to make that profit back. But I mean, I could, I can honestly see, you know, like some of the some of the the films getting you know cheaper because of all the streaming platforms i mean you, you got to i mean with netflix especially i mean i, I netflix i heard don't i mean unless there's not on netflix by here they don't pay you know very much at all and it's like you know i don't understand how movies can make money whenever you know you're doing that because whenever it was just dvds and physical copies i mean they were making you know decent profit on that when that's what the go-to was but you know with the streaming platforms and you know being able to rent online and stuff you're not not there's not as much profit there you know i bet what was happening is the artist still wasn't getting shit before it's just the production companies were getting yeah you know that's how they got so big yeah (laughs) (laughs) they they handled the distribution the processing and all that shit i mean they probably paid the directors and and the producers you know or vice versa excuse me but the right people didn't get paid. <laughs> and right. so maybe it's always been a labor of love. You just didn't know that <laughs> unless yeah. a, a movie was making hundreds of millions of dollars. And then, yeah, that director gets paid fat and then he gets to make 10 more movies. <laughs> but your average Joe, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if it's now or if it's 40 years ago, you make a movie, it turns out fine. You did good. And yep. you just make enough mo- money to, to, live comfortably and maybe you know make another movie someday yeah because that's my plan whatever whatever we make off of unlisted owners going right back into you know the movie making stuff so like i said the next film i make i mean i would like to do a traditionally shot i mean grant i mean there could be an unlisted owner too but you know there's people living in the house right now so it's gonna be a little bit harder to work around (laughs) well it sounds like you've uh, already got your next dead family cast yet Yeah, no, right. <laughs> hey guys, you want to be in my movie? I'm gonna murder all of you. Is that cool? <laughs> Great. Here you go. Sign here. <laughs> yeah, it's right here. Here and initial here. Cool. <laughs> How do you feel about sequels? Is that that's another thing? Sequels as opposed to remakes. I'm I think not... it depends on the film. Yeah. The <laughs> There's not a lot of sequels that have worked out, Jed. I think we can yep. both admit to that. <laughs> right. Well, one one that's very like. Probably one of the weirdest sequels to me is Friday the 13th part, you know, the first one. And then, you know, because you got like little kid Jason coming out of the water. And then the next time he's like, he grew (laughs) a lot. He grew a lot. And now he has a hockey mask. It's like, you know, it's, it's crazy. It's like, Mm. I mean, that was one that like worked very well. But if you look back at it, it's like, you know, a little kid just jumped out of the water, but now he's like, you know, six, five and, you know, weighs, you know, over 200 and some pounds. And (laughs) you're about to take me down a weird road here with you because sequels. Okay. Let's talk about this. You just mentioned it. Friday the 13th part two didn't make a lot of sense. The first one made a lot of money, but the story yeah. was Pamela Voorhees was killing motherfuckers. And in the end, yeah. somebody got Pamela. Boom. The whole idea of, well, hey, you remember her dead kid? Like, let's pretend that he grew up and now he's hacking motherfuckers up. He didn't even get the mask there. He didn't get the mask to the third movie. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. So the yeah, second movie, true. he was Baghead Jason Baghead. with the eye hole. Yep, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and just a big hulk and asshole in some overalls. Like, they didn't even show his face because they weren't sure what they were going to do next. They were like, well, fuck it. He's just a dude with a with a bag on his head. Yeah. But you can say the same about every other sequel. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 is terrible. Now, most people would disagree. Now, nah, I don't even know if most people. Fuck that. I know one person that likes that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the second... <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street movie was awful. The second Texas Chainsaw Massacre was awful. You know, like with horror movie, I think sequels, Pet <laughs> Cemetery 2 was awful. Halloween Part 2, awful. <laughs> like it's just. Well, I think, what was it? Halloween, Halloween 3 was the one that kind of threw me for a loop. I'm pretty sure it was Halloween 3. Yeah, with the mask and stuff. Right. You ever see? Yeah, that one was like. Uh, I think it would have been a lot more successful if it was uh, named something else other than Halloween 3 because it didn't really have anything to <laughs> do with Michael Myers at all. And it was kind of like, uh, I'm not sure where – I mean, I like John Carpenter, but I'm not sure where he was going with that. But, I mean, if he would have named it something else, I think it would have been a lot more successful than what it was. But, yeah, that one's like kind of threw me for a loop. But, but then again, you know, you look at, you know, the Star Wars movies, you know, especially yeah. the original trilogy, you're like – you know, awesome, awesome, awesome. And I mean, at least I am anyways, it, it's just kind of weird. It, it just depends on the story and where you, you know, where you want it to be set up and where you want, where you leave it most of the time. It's funny how things pan out. You know, yes. we're talking about sequels. Did you know that, uh, Friday the 13th part seven was actually supposed to be Carrie versus Jason. Really? Yeah. That's where the whole storyline came from. But I guess at the last minute they couldn't buy the rights to carry or they just changed their mind. Maybe it wasn't a good year for horror, so it just became Jason versus this bitch that can make stuff float. (laughs) (laughs) This telekinesis lady. That was that didn't even have a franchise of her own at all. So (laughs) there you go. That's I I found that out not too long ago, and it's just a fun thing. I go, son of a bitch. That makes total sense. I always wondered why Jason managed to run into some chick who had telekinesis. That's a little strange. (laughs) What 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 was her name? Cindy or (laughs) Uh, something like it was something close. It's so silly, man. They're getting silly with the, uh, the the sequels now. I heard there's a, a Chucky movie that came out recently that I haven't seen, but I'm going to have to watch. And uh, <laughs> Man, I tell you what, it's been a pleasure getting to talk with you, Jed. I would like you to, to spit out some of your plugs, anything you've got, yeah. any website stuff. Go ahead and get that rocking, and uh, let's let people know where to find you. All right, yeah. Uh, you can get Unlisted Owner if you want to check it out. It's uh, You can get it on DVD through Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble and FYE. If you buy the DVD, it has like all the cool special features, some of the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, and if you're going to be in Greenwood, Indiana on uh, Saturday, April 7th from uh, at one o'clock Eastern Standard Time, myself and maybe a few of the cast members will be there signing DVDs. So, uh, and we also got like a six foot tall movie poster. If you want to get your picture, if you're more into streaming. Uh, you can watch the film on Amazon Prime. And if you don't have Prime, you can still buy or rent it. Uh, you can see it on iTunes, the Google Play Store, uh, and also on YouTube. 
that you got to pay for it. Um, <laughs> always have to say that because everyone's like, "Oh, YouTube, that's that's free, right?" Like, no, you still you want to make another one. <laughs> yeah, if you want more, you got to pay for it, dog. Yeah, and then uh, one of my personal favorites because I have an Xbox. It's available on the Microsoft Store. So, and uh, be sure to rate it on IMDb or whatever platform you uh, watch it on. I mean, if, if you don't like it, tell us why you don't like it. If you love it, tell us why you love it. You know, if you're in between, tell us because, you know, we're just, you know, this is our first film and we're always looking to improve and uh, we just want to hear everybody's, you know, honest opinions on it. Wonderful. So, but, and then if you guys want to check out the trailer, you can go to www.unlistedowner.com. Uh, we, you can check us out on Facebook at Unlisted Owner Movie. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter at unlisted owner and then also i'm on instagram at mr period jed j-e-d underscore brian b-r-i-a-n and i'm also on amino under the same name so uh, yeah hit us up let us know what you think and uh you know hope everyone enjoys unlisted owner wonderful jed it's been a real pleasure and i'm gonna be sitting here behind the scenes keeping an eye on you from now on so if you have anything new that comes by if you get some new shit that rolls out holler at me man i'd love to talk to you about it okay will do hey thanks for having me on the podcast i appreciate it no problem at all dude you have a wonderful sunday you too so that was dead director producer writer creator of unlisted owner you can watch the shit on amazon prime so or go watch it somewhere else you know you've got amazon prime motherfucker here we are into the episode I got some shit to get into. I'm going to try to make it fast, though, just because the baby's waking up and I don't have time to uh, to fuck around. So I started listening to a new show uh, called Who Are These Podcasts? And I don't do a lot of shout outs, but let me tell you something. <laughs> the first episode I listened to, I hated this fucking guy. His name's Carl. I, have, I only know one person named Carl that is actually worth having a conversation with, and that motherfucker will talk your ear off. Carl, I'll say this. If you hear this, I appreciate what you're doing. It's constructive criticism at its finest. Now, maybe you turn the heat up a little, and if you got somebody who hasn't been criticized much, they spin out and try to get you fired from your fucking job, which apparently happened recently to Carl. I listened to one episode of his show, and I hated him. And then I listened to another one. And then another one. And another one. The thing is, a lot of the shit he says is true. If you listen to podcasts, you would agree. Now, maybe you're not an asshole, so you don't directly say what you're thinking. But the truth is, there's a lot of us out here that are just kind of fucking around and doing whatever. It's easy to hate somebody for that, especially if you're putting time and effort into something and they're making money you know promotion and you're like well, what the fuck why does this show about vegan cross-dressers get a better fucking you know i'm actually making bumpers and commercials and these fucking assholes are just talking shit and laughing and shit into a microphone that's stupid i like it i like honesty i think that's what i'm gonna do now my plan for the new year was i'm gonna be honest with people sure they may not like it all the time i'm tired of bullshitting people it's stressful. You got to remember the shit you say. So I'd rather just be honest and say, I'm not doing that shit. I think this is a dumb fucking plan. I'll tell you why. I'm not that guy. I'm not going to sit here and say no and just not have a rebuttal. But yeah, I'm done. I'm done being nice for other people's feelings. 
the bracket shit, we lost. But not without some drama. Uh, long story short, the team that we played in this bracket cheated. <laughs> and I figured it out. I found out about it. And I cheated back. I went Ric Flair on that ass. Woo. We started over with one day, and they beat us by about 20 votes. So, good game, fellas. Shit didn't get too crazy. Basically, what happened was is they tried to be sneaky and cheat. And me and my friends decided, like, oh, no, if we're going to cheat, we're going to fucking go crazy. So, I just went through and, and piled on. It's damn near 1,500. It was silly. So, anyway, that's done. Guys, I got to get out of here. I want you to have a wonderful weekend. And uh, be sure to... Uh, like and subscribe all that good shit you can get us at Pod on twitter at jodyb501 and uh yeah thank you for listening i'll see you motherfuckers next week Thank you.